Hey folks, it's your host, David Cameo of Squawking Dead. Uh, this week's episode is an interview. Uh, my company is interviewing me for their blog, and I figured since there are Walking Dead references in the interview, uh, I figured why not get to know me a little bit better, at least what I do on my day job, and my insight, what I do on the day-to-day, how we react to our customers, uh, and what my philosophy generally is when it comes to dealing with clients, um, how to treat them right, etc. But I really wanted to actually talk to you about the fan submission. If you hadn't noticed in episode 98, we talked about uh, Ashley and Rachel's fan videos, and we got the idea to have everyone submit their fan videos to us the ones that they may have submitted to Talking Dead, but also open it up to the world so that the world can participate in our own fan submission. If we get enough fan submissions, we will be doing a competition. So get on that. Uh, I'll have a link to the fan submission portal on this episode, streaming everywhere. Podcasts are streamed. But also you can head to squawkingdead.com and click the call to action at the bottom of the page uh, that says, are you TWD Universe's ultimate fan uh, or what makes you the ultimate fan? And basically that's, that's what the call to action is. What makes you the Walking Dead's ultimate fan? So tell us. And we'll have more news soon as more people submit their fan videos because some people already have. So get on it. And I, I hope to see, if you have any questions, always you can email us at info at squawkingdead.com or DM us on any of the social media platforms on our website, squawkingdead.com. And uh, without any further ado, here's the episode. We... Our Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, other times we go deep. And today, I'm here with Mariana, our 3nom.com blogger, as she interviews me. We're going to turn the tables, and she's going to be interviewing me for what I do at 3nom, so it has nothing to do with the Walking Dead at all, ha, probably. Ha, ha. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Who knows? Would it be the first time that we're getting info on you, uh, your listeners? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. I tend to, I tend to not talk about myself too much. Sometimes I'll bring in a story like that relates to The Walking Dead in some sort of way, like a like a like a youth, a story from my youth, right? Or like a problem I have at the office sometimes, and then find out ways to uh, to mitigate that in real life or on the show. So well, great, great. I'm glad we'll uh, get to show the other side of you. Now I want to know everything Walking Dead, but uh, <laughs> originally I came here to ask. You, um, what did you do before, and what brought you to Three Nom, and why in the world did you decide to stay? That's a really good question, actually. The way I was brought on was I I'd been working in IT since I was thirteen. Hmm. Um, I did some internships, uh, summer internships with a computer-aided design company um, or two, and then I I worked freelance IT with another with a, another fellow technician who used to be the computer guy for my own personal computer and then jumped on um, a bunch of freelance gigs. You know, I was going to college, high school, college, and then eventually um, actually hooked up with Abe um, sometime after my college stint, Abraham Sasson. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I grew up uh, together in New Jersey. Uh, our parents uh, were friends, and we were kind of outside the community bubble, which is usually in Brooklyn, New York, uh, the Syrian Jewish community. Uh, we were the only two people we knew in New Jersey. So, uh, uh, so we, my mom, her mom, uh, his mom, were really good friends, um, and so we kind of grew up together. And then eventually, so fast forward, uh, whatever, twenty years later, I'm in my twenties. I'm I'm just getting off a job and heading to Abraham's brother's bar mitzvah at the time, and he found out why I was late, and uh, it was because I was helping out with a uh, some sort of antivirus cleanup for my for a cousin of mine uh, up in the Bronx, and he basically offered me the job, uh, and and this was with the old uh, an old IT company that we were both part of, mm-hmm. and then ever since then we had like this relationship. I, I stayed on that company for a, a number of years, and then eventually I I moved to Chicago. I worked freelance for that company until things happened and Abe eventually formed another company uh, of his own uh, and uh, he asked me to join on for a specific project and it morphed into this relationship and I stayed on ever Mm -hmm. since. I've been with the company since 2005 so it's just it's rounding out to 15 years now. Obviously uh, a long a long relationship is very important to find someone that you can you know click with and work with for a long time but what is it about IT that keeps you kind of in the area in the field and keeps you stimulated this whole time because a lot of my position is solving problems uh, or developing solutions to to complex problems or technology scenarios that will help a client to advance. So mm-hmm. if they need something pertaining to their business that's related to IT, it's kind of like solving a puzzle. And I've, I've always, I don't know if this is just my personality, but I've always been attracted or I've always been like a fixer. I've always, t- like an engineer, I've always taken things apart and put them back together better than they were before. And I've always kind of gravitated towards that idea. And so this per- position is kind of perfect for me and I get to do that for multiple clients. Let's get specific. Something fun and exciting that you have recently solved or unexpected or particularly impactful? <laughs> Uh, honestly, the creative s- solutions that we've had to implement in order to mitigate some of the damage from a lot of the ransomware that we've been dealing with lately. Um, when it comes to ransomware, obviously you can pay the ransom and take your chances, or you can uh, you can restore from backup. You know, there's a bunch of scenarios that that you can implement. And uh, in the last few, we've had to actually implement a mix of things. Mm-hmm. So we've created. So take for example the first one that we we've had to. Make mitigate was um, one client, we had to actually take a mixed approach because you want to get the client up and running as fast as possible. So while we're restoring some files, we're creating a parallel environment with where we restore whole servers or and then another environment with new servers. And the idea is really just to see, to bring up things in parallel to see what gets the customer up faster. And sometimes you take a little bit of column A, column B, column C, and if you can get them up the, as fast as possible without with minimal downtime mm-hmm. and at least get some services up so that they can continue working, I think that's that's where we excel. And some of that has to um, – it draws upon all different kinds of skill levels in order to – to really uh, maximize the restorability and the the availability of the customer's assets, and mm-hmm. uh, again, pieces of the puzzle. But like now, you're working in three dimensions. Like it's right. three dimensional chess that you're trying to advance, and and it's not just me. Obviously, like uh, we have the specialties of th- of people like Avram Lieberman, uh, Abe Sasson rolls his sleeves up and helps us out. Also, mm-hmm. you know, he gets down and dirty, and yeah. uh, you know, and so we're all involved. You know, and then you know, you, you take a few texts from here, texts from there to kind of. 
mitigate any of the, to, to be the firewall between you and the customer sometimes or the individual employees of that customer. And so we all kind of work in tandem to try to support mm-hmm. each other and lift each other up. From the data I've heard, um, there's been a real surge in all different kinds of cyber attacks and stuff like that now with the everyone going to remote work, all the networks are not as secure, all that good stuff. And then people are being more anxious than ever and possibly prone to clicking on links uh, that they didn't pay for. Um, So which one would you say for if we think, you know, a small, medium-sized business owner, what should they be the most vigilant about? Even after some uh, dealing with some of the ransomware and cyber attacks that we've had to, we found out that a lot of the a lot of the problem is actually customer passwords. When customer passwords are easy and you can run a, let's say, what's called a rainbow table or something like that against them, and you can easily crack them with common passwords or just like random letters that actually end up working out. Um, or somehow they got the credentials from a site that's been compromised, like a credit card site or even a mm-hmm. vendor site. Like just recently, we I just got an email from, I think it was PayPal that said that they were attacked again. Um, and so if you're using the same passwords across different um, vendor sites or anything like that, and you happen to be using it for your corporate email or your corporate logon, um, it's, it may be a good uh, time to, um, implement to not. <laughs> some sort of turnover, at least, uh, for, your, for your corporate passwords or to personalize your corporate passwords mm. somehow. Try to stay vigilant. Um, we have solutions on the back end that we can use to, to make you change mm-hmm. your password as well. But we always try to provide a mix between between security and some sort of convenience. As a result, though, we've had to actually become a little bit more harder about credentials and security and and, and try to reapproach it. And, and like you said before, emails, just making mm-hmm. sure you don't click links that look fishy and, yeah. and weird from your colleagues, especially, mm-hmm. but obviously from the outside as well. Yeah, those are, yeah, those are great tips. And I, I like that uh, 3Nom um, actually created the whole series of webinars on that. So mm-hmm. I think those are... Um, a great free resource to learn more. I learned a lot of the things and I consider myself reasonably tech savvy, at least for a non-coder. What is something unexpected that you learned while working at 3Nom? And I'm talking more about like life lessons rather than, you know, work stuff necessarily. It's, it's a bit of a mix, uh, on a personal level, on a, just a, just a personal, personal level. Um, it's, it's taught me to become more tolerant of other people's experiences. So as a technician, you can always get wrapped up in your own stress or your own attempt to, to resolve a client situation. But being in this business for so long, you develop like a tolerance level, you know, like a like a patience quotient, let's say. Mm-hmm. And over time, things that would normally stress you out to like infinity, like you can kind of step back, take a breath and go, this customer is having a bad day. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It's uh, it's on you to not only be the, the person that's going to solve the problem, but also is going to hold their hand and and, right. and guide them through the situation. And that ends up becoming an asset because it may or may not be the case that you can fix whatever problem they have, although most of the times that's going to be the case. But sometimes you have to tell them it's taking longer than expected, or I have to call in this person or that person, or I have to contact a resource or vendor or software developer or whatever to solve this problem and and you have to be that voice of reason mm-hmm. and uh and just on not a personal level as much um i think i've gotten to be also tolerant of like 
of other people's viewpoints politically or socially or you know whereas i'll say i'm pro-life a pro-choice um uh, i can respect the opinions of somebody who's pro-life things like that you know mm -hmm. and i can see their point of view and it's 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 literally it's like a skill that i didn't know i had until i sat down and really realized you know we all have our boundaries and limits and beliefs and and it's on me to kind of be able to at least listen mm -hmm. and then discuss and, you know, find ways to either part ways or, you know, and, and be okay with that. And so that's, it's a really serious skill level to learn in, in an internet, in a globally connected internet age. Yeah, so for sure. It's very yeah. rare. I'm wondering if, if there's something in particular about three norms, um, say like way of work or approach to projects or something that contributes a lot to the success of of those projects that you can uh, highlight? I think this is something Abe, Abe might have brought up. It's the ability to receive options. We can give you the soup to nuts, um, Rolls Royce treatment when it comes to how to approach a particular customer demand, but we'll also give you the, the kind of solution that'll match your budget slash the kind of solution that makes the most sense for you. Like, so you'll give, we'll give you the high end, we'll give you the low end, and then we'll, there are a few gray middle areas that we can, that we can give you. And so, and that's something that you learn over time. Like the, I think we started off trying to be more penny wise for our customers. And then mm -hmm. eventually, and this kind of loops back to security. Eventually, sometimes you do have to be a little bit more aggressive about emphasizing the need for security or the need for best practices mm -hmm. to give them a solution where, you know, and it's unfortunate. And it's weird to say it's unfortunate because most companies do not do that. Most companies will shoot higher and maybe not even meet in the middle to the customer's needs or the customer's, uh, you know, uh, budget, let's say. And so I, it's funny to say, I feel bad doing that, but this is the culture and nature is to always look out for the customer's um, best interest, but also their realized limitations we have to work with sometimes. It's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a tug of war, but it's one that we have internally. And um, right. it's, it's a skill, it's an art actually in a way that you kind of learn over time. Let's now talk about what makes you successful. So do you have any um, rituals, hacks, uh, routines that uh, help you stay productive, particularly now in the remote work, but also in general, just kind of uh, gets those creative juices flowing, like you were saying. I, I actually listen to a lot of stimulating podcasts, um, ranging from a variety of topics, uh, cult, be it cultural, uh, political, and from all various sources too. So people who are talking about certain things that, you know, we don't often talk about or dive deep into. Um, but also like um, things like, <laughs> this is really nutty, but like, I mean, things like science also, uh, scientific breakthroughs, scientific phenomenon, and then also ranges to The Walking Dead. And also I'm a huge fan of the Legend of Zelda series. <laughs> so okay. all of that, I listen to all that throughout the day. On I, Usually on YouTube, it's going to be like 99.999% on YouTube. So I'll listen to that while I'm remotely working or working on a project. And sometimes I have to stop it if I have to read like a tech article or a project <laughs> manual or something like that, because it's a little hard to concentrate, you know, if you're okay. trying to get procedures done. But yeah, things like that. But also on my off time, I do a podcast that breaks down episodes of The Walking Dead universe uh, and then things that surround that 
culturally, topically. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the recent scientific or something like that uh, stuff that not many people know of that maybe blew your mind a little bit? Well, the fact that we haven't had a space launch uh, in, in a very, very long time until uh, Elon Musk did it recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that. Well, because of how we have superbugs. Um, viruses and bacteria and stuff like that. There are there are advents that are being made um, where we can program certain cells to actually. And this this will revolutionize cancer research. I can't remember the, exactly what they're called though. A certain type of cell that you can pre pre program basically you know detect and destroy all types of sicknesses and stuff like that rather than using antibiotics and having to reintroduce different kinds of new antibiotics. They'll It'll basically kill um, the back, you know, the invasive bacteria and stuff like that. And this also helps with things like screws from surgery and things like that. It'll because mm-hmm. over time you have to replace them because um, your body starts rejecting them. And yeah. so introducing this cell, this type of cell that you can pre-program, you can clean it up and tell the body, no, nope, no, nope, this is a good thing. Don't don't <laughs> attack it. Don't reject it. So they, scientists are still trying to figure out how to use and harness that the, the the particulars on that on how to cure diseases anything ranging from the modern superbug to you know um, trying to keep it away from healthy um, uh, appendages and and screws and things like that. I, I I keep thinking if I should talk about Walking Dead now or later. Where's a good plug? Um, did your routine change at all since you've uh, moved home? Kind of work work day routine? Oh, like you wouldn't think um, because most of my work is remote. I mean, almost all of my work is remote. All right. Um, and so uh, I've been able to work from home, at, you know, ever since the beginning. But um, well, not the beginning, beginning, but we made a transition. Uh, I mean, we we used to be a, a, a company that would go out to the client and work directly on the servers that needed to be worked on at the client site. And this changed mm-hmm. over time, not rapidly, probably around the roughly around 2009, 2010. We started emphasizing the idea of our technicians being able to work remotely, purely. Uh, and it's rare when we have to send somebody on site. But uh, even lately, uh, it would be a mixture of me coming to the office uh, and then working from home, you know, mm-hmm. alternating days sometimes. And we've made it more. It's and the odd part is that just before this pandemic hit, we were making a best effort to meet at the office to kind of gain a sense of like, you know, we're all here and we're all working together and we can all call each other, you know, uh, just walk into the next room and work on a solution together or mm-hmm. just being there and being sociable and, and getting a sense of connectivity to our team. And then when this hit, we were all set to work remotely. And so the big change has been like, you know, now I'm working from home every day and I'm starting to notice a difference in just in life, um, what it takes to stay healthier, you know, what it takes to, uh, to connect with our team. Like we're, we're on Zoom a little bit more often than, we know, than we've ever been. Um, and it used to be, we just called, you know, the extension, the conference line extension, and we would talk, but now we kind of want to see each other. We want to hear each other. You know, just so we could stay connected mentally. That is definitely a challenge and very, very important. More important than we thought. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And I hear all, all different uh, versions of it. I, feel, I hear that someone feels like they actually find this maybe like more time for themselves in this different, different paradigm uh, and more time to get stuff done and others 
like you said, yeah, like how do we how do we connect? How do we get on the same page? Um, so I think we're all of us are learning a lot of the things about ourselves and how we work. Uh, so it could be a good reflective moment too. Yeah, yeah, we're social animals, right? So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a test. It's been a real test. What does a small business needs to know uh, and understand about their you know IT and and technology to to really be successful. Hmm. That's a tough one because we really make it easy. <laughs> but I think I, I don't know if you've heard this from the others, but the best IT is really when you don't know it's there. <laughs> Basically, you do run the risk of, you know, perhaps infantilizing your customers where you make it so easy that they don't need to know anything and then they trust you and that's that's always a good thing but at least on my part i try to explain technicals um so anything we implement i try to give the best most relatable understanding of what they're getting into uh, what the pitfalls are what you know what we could be doing better if we had a better budget let's say you know, all the things around it um, so that they know what they're getting into. We don't like enforce trust by fiat. So it's it's <laughs> it's more like we want the customer to be 100% comfortable, even if they are comfortable. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this will inspire them to ask questions. And maybe that is the answer. You should not be afraid to, to ask questions. And if a, an IT provider can't even answer the most basic questions, then they're not really the kind of partner because that's essentially what it'll come down to the partner that you want to really involve yourself with because that's that's essentially what you're doing as a managed service provider you are basically simplifying their technology in a way that will help them adapt to um, present day dilemmas so you're right. implementing solutions that 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 will help them bring them into like let's say the 21st century let's say and so in order to do that, they need to really understand at least the concepts that you're bringing to the table that are helping mm -hmm. them and that to inspire them to basically ask the right questions. And to and you'll even find that some customers will ask questions that you never thought that they would had you not helped them um, mm -hmm. or ease them into the process that they would be they would even think to ask certain questions. And then actually. When you do that, it leads to even better solutions because then they know exactly kind of what is possible and maybe what is not possible that you can create. As a business owner myself, sometimes you kind of don't know what you're doing at all uh, when it comes to technology, especially if you grow past the level of just using whatever free tools are available um, and yeah. feel like you'd start needing some sort of CRM. What? Like, what is that? Then what, that? What do I do? Um, and if you're not really tech savvy, reading all those, you know, the million sites, you can Google it, but then reading and like, what is the difference? What am I paying for? Like, what right. exactly am I paying for? What do I need to consider? Yeah, it's like having a Swiss army knife with hundreds and hundreds of attachments that you may or may not even need. And you may only use five. Not even know what they are. Exactly. Um, and especially when yeah, you mentioned like CRM, it, that is, I mean, even on our end, um, cause it's not all technological. It's, mm -hmm. it's it, sometimes CRM solutions throw so much at you that you don't even, because it has to do a lot with productivity and yeah. in the world of it, you know, sometimes you just need to get it done. And so mm -hmm. it's not always in our toolkit to know what it takes to be productive, um, on, in terms of content management. So 
And when you see certain tools from a CRM, it can be imposing. And I can only imagine what that's like for the average user. Like we'll know mm-hmm. some of the operations that CRM can do to kind of automate our lives. So we'll have a better understanding on that end. But like for the average customer, it's just yeah. out of this world. It's like an alien often, language. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes you have to kind of adapt your workflow to whatever that thing dictates, which is when, you know, custom custom automations and custom development might come in very well, especially if you're a business that's been doing something for, uh, for a while and have your processes and then yeah. you don't want to go and change it all because now this tool tells you that you have to do things this way yeah. versus this other way. And it's kind of like what we do on a day-to-day basis. Like you have your Windows servers or you have your Mac workstations or you have your Linux servers or whatever it is with possible endless possibilities of what you can do with it. And we have sort of best practices that we can slot everything into that makes sense for Mm -hmm. you. And so we've already taken out the guesswork for most avenues of most businesses. And so we have like ideas of how to utilize these servers to your advantage. And Mm -hmm. so we take the world of possibilities and narrow the field Mm -hmm. a little bit so that it makes sense for you. If there was one thing that you think that all businesses, you know, smaller, medium-sized businesses need to really consider investing in right now, what would you say, or, you know, in the next six months, what is that thing? As of now, they're investing in remote desktop solutions. So let's Mm -hmm. take that off the table. More backup is always better. It costs money. But at the end of the day, you don't want to not have it. And um, things like that, but also things like uh, staying on top of, and with the help of your managed service provider, staying on top of cutting edge uh, antivirus or anti-malware mm-hmm. solutions. And I stress managed service providers because they will have certain antivirus tools that may not be available on a consumer level. Right. Like you can go with your McAfee's and your Symantec's. And all that, but at the end of the day, there are like a like artificially uh, artificial intelligence solutions that can help you go beyond the scope of what a normal antivirus will do without without all the clutter that consumer antivirus has uh, baked mm-hmm. in. And again, goes back to overwhelming. Like you'll open a McAfee yeah. antivirus and you see all now these I options. Want to, now I want to know about more about this. Yeah, we're 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 investing a lot more in like artificial intelligence antivirus solutions. Mm-hmm. So and take, for example, like a ransomware, like a ransomware attack starts happening and mm-hmm. the, the antivirus itself will start to see that this is abnormal behavior. I think I'm going to shut this down, you know, mm-hmm. and so it'll think ahead and it'll it'll start to anticipate certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. So it's like learned behavior antivirus. So it doesn't, cool. it so extends a little bit outside the realm of antivirus a little bit into like mm-hmm. normal operating behaviors. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, yeah, uh, I didn't either <laughs> until like a few months ago. I mean, this is, you know, it's just, it's emerging as a result of what's yeah. been happening. In which way is Walking Dead series similar to working at 3 Null? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so to try to simplify, it kind of really does go back to why we are who we are. It goes to the pandemic a little bit too, but like... We are our best when we are cooperating. Um, humanity emerged, the modern man emerged from their ability to cooperate with one another. And so in that, like a lot of that occurs in The Walking Dead, like you need to, you need to come together in order to, in order to survive. Um, and so, and this is, this is how they defeated the Neanderthals way back. Um, this is why, and cause they were stronger, they were better, they had better sight in the dark, etc. But when we work together with our limited 
um, mm-hmm. physical, physical attributes, yeah. we were able to overcome them. And so The Walking Dead has that in spades. When you actually do try to work together as a community, you can survive. Um, mm-hmm. And so how that... I don't know how that applies to the <laughs> work environment, but I do think that um, what we tend to do is, in our company at least, is we do try to distribute the talent across multiple technicians. Um, so we do try to make available uh, or make use of the, those talents wherever possible. Because, it, you know, and, and this can happen. And it, can, and it happens every once in a while in our company too, is that sometimes we do tax a specific resource, aka a person. Mm-hmm. And it can tend to be that like when you rely on a certain or you depend on a certain person or you know their talents to approach a situation and you tax it too much, well, things don't get done. And so what we try to do in our company is to try to nurture specific talents or to train users in certain best practices to kind of alleviate the stress on any given technician so that, you know, you have a range of technicians that can handle certain situations better than others. I mean, most of them are trained the same way and a kind of an organic show of talent will emerge naturally. And so you'll see that happen. And it, it can be anywhere like where, uh, you know, this these two or three technicians can be relied on a specific solution or this technician will mostly be in touch with a particular customer with a particular nuance in terms of mm-hmm. an application or something like that. So it tends to organically gravitate to where it needs to go, you know, and you see, you see magic happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't, I don't think I've seen a single episode of Walking Dead. Um, what would be your pitch to me to watch the show? You would think that the show is about zombies, right? But the show really is about showing the range of the best and the worst of us because the tagline of the show is really like we are the walking dead it's not really the zombies that are the walking dead we are them so who are we now it's kind of like a show of who we really are at our base level and then who we become as a result so if this were to happen you know it's it would really test our limits who you are before almost doesn't even matter anymore all those skills can be handy but it tends to be that you you become who you were really meant to be because none of the nonsense of the day-to-day of what we do like in tech really ends up mattering it's Mm -hmm. who you become afterwards it really counts and you can't pretend and you can't fake your way you can fake your way to a point in the apocalypse but you can't there's a limit and it it's to see that come out in each character is really fascinating Mm -hmm. and and of course there's gore a little bit of gore a little bit of this a little bit of that (laughs) but to see how things start to shape up or shape Mm -hmm. out shape out in the apocalypse it's kind of interesting yeah, especially now living through like, a, re- a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, the lamest a, apocalypse a possi- ever. A possible, very lame, very kind of, uh, it's like, let's go through the lines, but just <laughs> holding the paper in front of us. Yeah, exactly. That kind, of a, that, that kind of apocalypse. It doesn't make for compelling television. Let's put it that no, way. No, <laughs> that, that probably will be boring. But wait, they'll give them 10 years. They'll turn this into, they'll turn the 2020 will be a show on television that will... <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine all that footage? Just garbage. <laughs> I'm done. I think that's a good point to wrap up. Oh, Thank okay. you. That was very, very fun. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, 
rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know you love us. But if you like to write something nice, we're definitely not going to stop you. If you haven't already, like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our Periscope, Twitch, Mixer, and YouTube channels. Don't forget to enable notifications so you don't miss seeing our beautiful faces. And while I've got you, please like and share this podcast and our streaming videos on your social media accounts. It really helps spread the joy in what we try to do here, and we want to reach as many fans of the Walking Dead universe as possible. But to do that, we need your help. I've been your host, David Cameo, and thank you again for listening, and check out our social media accounts until next we meet.